You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, Maddie from At What Maddie Read joins me to talk about memoirs as well as her bookstagram account. This is a spoiler-free episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Maddie, and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You are very welcome. I'm glad that we could finally coordinate a time. Um, You're in America and I'm in Australia and it's never the perfect concoction. (laughs) Yeah. But we've made it work. I have got a icebreaker question that I would like to ask you to start with and it is in keeping with our episode theme. And my question is, what is a memoir you would recommend to anyone? Um, I would have to say More Than Enough by Elaine Welteroth. She was the former editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. And so I've always been super interested in books that kind of revolve around the journalism world, which kind of inspired me to read that anyway. And she's a host on Project Runway. I love that show. So it's kind of like the perfect storm to get me to read it. And then I read it at such a perfect time. It was when I was kind of like, I just graduated from college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And there's so much valuable career advice in that book that I recommend anyone. I think that anyone could get anything out of it. It has so many just incredible tidbits of advice on figuring out exactly what you want to do and kind of finding your place in the world. So highly, highly recommend that one. Great way to start with a book that I haven't heard of, but I'm (laughs) nonetheless interested to read. (laughs) Mine is Boy Tales of Childhood by Roald Dahl. It's a quick like whirlwind read through his childhood and it's actually written in a style that he writes his children's novels and it just offered like a load of insight into his world. Um, So what school was like for him, what his family dynamic was like, uh, even some of the characters he encounters throughout his childhood and how you can see they have a bit of an influence on his novels. So there is, for example, this really mean old lady who runs the local like lolly shop or like candy shop. And you can sort of see that she would influence maybe some of the characters that we come across in The Witches uh, or even Matilda. Like she's a bit of a Mrs. Trunchbull. Uh, And he also was a taster for Cadbury. So you get a little bit of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory vibes, especially if you don't usually like nonfiction and I am aware there are people that strictly stick to fiction and potentially don't dabble in nonfiction or memoirs as much I think it would be a really good uh, transition for you because it's written in the style of a Roald Dahl novel I need to add that to my list I love books by and about writers so that's like right up my alley yes you would really like it and he then does have a um, a sequel to it as well. It's called Going Solo and it's about his time uh, in the, like the British Air Force during World War II. So oh, awesome. Yeah. A very interesting. He lived in Africa. So there's some quirky stories there that he tells from Africa as well. You are joining me today on the episode, Maddie, because you have a bookstagram and I would uh, love to get you to describe your feed firstly for my listeners. Um, When I look at my feed, it's honestly just an explosion of like colors and doodles. It's very bright. I always set out to edit my pictures in a way where I'm like, I'm going to look at this picture. And even if I'm having like the worst day of my life, I'm going to feel happy when I look at this picture. So I just try to keep everything very like light, bright. I have an iPad where I draw on a lot of my pictures and I put text on them and just kind of want to keep things unique. I feel like on Bookstagram, a lot of the times people 
frequently post about the same books and I fall victim to that all the time. I constantly am posting the books that I feel like are like trending and are doing well on the feed right now. But I try to like edit my pictures in such a way that they'll pop, even though it's a book that every single person is talking about. And I do really like your use of like your writing or your graphic fonts over the top of your images. So many times people uh, don't read the captions. So yes, you're giving people the information without having to read the caption. And I think it's also worth that you give plenty of, of recommendations and monthly guides as well for people. So there's always loads of content on Maddie's feed. So there'll be something for everyone there. And why did you actually start a bookstagram account? Um, kind of going back to more than enough that memoir I was talking about earlier. Um, I started my bookstagram in October, 2019, and I had graduated from college in May, 2019. I was kind of struggling with with what I wanted to do career wise. I know I wanted to work in books or media somehow, but I didn't know exactly how to kind of get my foot in the door in that field. So I was actually working as a daycare teacher with like little tiny babies, just like getting through figuring out what I wanted to do career-wise and I had been following a lot of bookstagrams just like scrolling through my own personal feed and I was like I could so do this like I after I graduated from college I really got back into reading I've been a lifelong reader but like when you're in school sometimes I feel like that's the first kind of thing that goes to the wayside when you're reading like massive textbooks and academic articles the last thing I want to do is like read another 300 page book so I had really gone back into reading. I was going to the library constantly and I was, I got this pile of library books. This is like so aesthetic Instagram-y sounding, but it was October and they were like red, orange, and yellow. They all just happened to be like a very aesthetically pleasing stack of books. And I was like, I'm just going to take a picture of this, put it on Instagram and see what happens. And so that was almost three years ago now. And I have not gotten sick of taking aesthetically pleasing pictures of books. So we'll see if I ever do. That's so good. I find that I definitely go through lulls and I'm going through a lull at the moment where like the lighting just is never right in the room where I take a photo because it's winter here at the moment as well. You get like, well, I mean, we do get decent daylight hours, but you've got to like be home in this like window of time to get the right lighting. Um, and especially if you're a bit stumped for content ideas as well, it can be a little bit less inspiring. Um, but hopefully like the, I think the good thing about bookstagram is that you can always step away if you need to step away and it's not going anywhere. Although for some reason your followers start to just dip, which is because it's like, they're obviously not seeing your feed like because you're not posting anything, how are they often reminded of your account that they'll start to do? Yeah, and I notice that when I take like a day or two off of posting, then I'll like come back with a really good post that I know will do pretty well numbers wise and it just Mm. flops. And I'm like, you can't take a single day off of this account, but it's fine. I'm not in it for the numbers or anything like that. I'm in it because it's fun and I enjoy doing it. But it is so frustrating sometimes. So I feel your pain. Yeah, definitely. Hey listeners, want to know when a new episode of the Bookstorm podcast drops? Make sure you have followed or subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to never miss a new episode again. All right, let's get into the book chat for this episode.
Uh, so Maddie, I followed your account for a little while now. And um, as I mentioned, I love the graphics. I love your guides. And uh, I contacted you a few months ago or a few weeks ago and said to you, like, would love to do an episode, but like, just kind of need to figure out something that we do have in common. And something that we decided we had in common was memoirs. And I've never done an episode on memoirs before. And uh, I know it's something we both read. So hopefully we can offer a, a range of different memoirs to uh, my listeners. My first question that I have for you before we delve into the book chat is why do you love reading memoirs? So I have always been pretty equally into fiction and nonfiction. And so usually within nonfiction, I tend to pick things that are more narrative focused, which nine times out of 10 is going to be a memoir. But I just love reading about real people's lives. I read memoirs from they run the gamut from political memoirs to pop culture focused ones to ones with people who just have incredibly extraordinary stories. And I just love like getting the real life balance. They always say the truth is stranger than fiction. And honestly, like nine times out of 10, when I read a memoir, I'm like, I cannot believe that this is something that actually happened to you in your life. And so I just love the real life focus on a story that honestly, like I feel like novelists can even make up some of the stuff that I read in memoirs. So I think it's really cool. I like that you've made that connection between a narrative structure and a memoir. So if there are people listening who, you know, nonfiction is not usually your thing or memoirs aren't usually your thing, uh, potentially it's worth giving it a go, especially if you come across one that has that uh, narrative structure. Um, I really like the insight you gain into someone else's life. Like I think you just learn so much about other people and, uh, you gain an understanding about what's happened in their life that shapes them as a person. Uh, and that probably there's quite a few that I'm going to share today that have that theme through it where um, they're, they're probably a well-known person um, is probably the ones that I tend to read more about, but you can definitely sort of sit back and see how they became the person they became. So I have a few questions uh, for Maddie today. They are around other uh, authors of particular memoirs. And then there's a fun little question at the end where I'm going to ask her who she wants to write a memoir. So my first question is, what's your favorite memoir by a female author? That is 100% from the corner of the oval by Beck Dory Stein. She worked as a stenographer in Obama's White House. So basically she answered a Craigslist ad to like, work for I think it was like phrased as to work for something in the legal profession so she was just looking for a job and she goes to the interview she gets the job they're like oh you have to type up everything of Barack Obama ever says now and so basically the memoir just follows her life as a 20-something in Washington DC it's a lot of her personal life with like figuring out how to date in such a politically charged world. And then it's also a lot of her career. She talks about being on Air Force One with all the people she worked with and being in the room at these huge political events because she had to like type up the transcripts of what was happening. And then she also talks about her dreams of being a writer. So that kind of harkens back to how I love anything that has anything to do with being a writer. And honestly, this is one of those books that you will laugh, you'll cry. Like, I'm not really a huge book crier, and at the end of this book, after she leaves the White House, like, a pure puddle. It is so, so good. So highly, highly recommend that one. Was she allowed to tell other people what her job was? I think she was. It's been a while since I've read it. It's honestly, like, at the very top of my reread pile, which I never reread, but this book is that good that I will reread it. 
Um, but I think she was allowed to tell people what the job was. I think they were just like kind of very low key in the beginning because they didn't want like all these like crazy people to apply for it. Like they wanted people who were serious and they're like, oh, if you're going to apply to work in the legal profession as a stenographer, like you're probably like not super politically focused or anything like that. Yeah, cool. Thank you for sharing. Mine's, um, mine has a similar tie-in because mine's Becoming by Michelle Obama. <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> and uh, like you said before about rereading, I quite often, um, I don't reread, but I think it's been long enough since I have read this book that I do need to reread it. And I think I might do it as an audio book this time around as well, because she does um, narrate it. Uh, but I just adored reading this story from beginning to end. Uh, she's such an inspirational and humble person. And she had the eyes of the world on her for eight years um, and, and still does today. Uh, her family moved into the White House, of course, and just shifted American politics. Um, and, and look, I, I, I'm very aware I'm talking about this to an American. <laughs> uh, but I learned a lot about her personal and her political like, um, even how she details that she actually disliked politics and it wasn't something uh, that she particularly wanted Barack to go into. Um, as well as the difficulties that comes with being married to someone, the horrible lies that can be printed about you and your family um, during that campaigning. And I also just learned a lot of cool stuff about what it was like to be a president. So things like having a weapon-wielding briefcase or uh, riding in a presidential car and even her thoughts on um, Hillary Clinton and Trump were a really golden way to end the story. But yeah, I well and truly need to reread this book. I have to also mention um, an honourable mention also goes to Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. I really do. Oh, I love that like one that too. Yeah, what is so my... good. One of my good friends, actually, she's just finished reading it yesterday and she's calling it her book of 2022. So yeah, that's honorable mention in this category as well. <laughs> yes, that one is awesome. And then I know we're not talking fiction, but Ghosts, her novel is also one of my favorite books of 2022 so far. It is oh, fantastic. Yeah, I still haven't read it, but after reading the memoir, I do really want to read it. So flip side of the coin now, I've asked you about a female author. I'm now going to ask you your favorite memoir by a male author. So this one I'm going to have to say is Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. I'm a huge Anthony Bourdain fan and I love food related books. They're some of my favorites ever. So I picked this one up kind of knowing that he was kind of a cult figure in the food world. And then I read it and I was blown away. I've since read almost all of his other books. Kitchen Confidential is his first one and it focuses a lot on his career in the restaurant industry. So before he had a TV show and everything. And I think the restaurant world is beyond fascinating. Like I could never handle working in a restaurant. And especially after reading this book, I am blown away just by all like the facts and tidbits he includes of just the process and the flow and he's so darkly funny and honestly like I think when it comes to food writing he is probably a genius well he was a genius so highly highly recommend anything by Anthony Bourdain but Kitchen Confidential is the best. Um, mine is also a food-based one. I actually have two for this that are a little bit different. Uh, so one of mine would have to be Taste My Life Through Food by Stanley Tusi. Um, so he, this is an awesome little collection of stories from his childhood, his career, his family life, and it's all weaved together through food. 
um, it's definitely very funny and lighthearted and highly um, informative until you sort of get to the ending. And um, that was a little bit more difficult for me to read. But I love the little insights he gives into food on movie sets because it's the part of a movie that you don't often see or hear about. It also made me reflect on how food is perhaps the greatest art form as it's passed down from generations to generations. Um, and it's it also brings about conversations about the importance of community, which also sparks people during the growth, the selling, the making and the eating of food and how in our world today, we quite often become so far removed from the people who grow our food. Or um, if we're talking about like butchers who actually, you know, like uh, slaughter is always a hard word to say, but you know, like that, that kind of conversation that comes from it and that appreciation of where food comes from becomes a little bit lost. Is, is that someone is, that a book that you've read? I have not read it, but it's actually on my bookshelf as something I'm hoping to get to in the near future. Because one of my friends from, not Bookstagram, but just a real life friend was telling me how it's like her favorite book she read on all of 2021. And I was like, okay, I have to read it. Like, you're not a plugged in book person and you're so obsessed with this book that like, I think I need to pick it up. And especially because you do like a good food memoir. I think you'd really like yes. it. Um, and there's like, yeah, like Italian recipes uh, sprinkled throughout the book as well. Um, my second one, uh, which is actually written by an Australian author, it's called Best Foot Forward by Adam Hills. So Adam Hills is a comedian um, in Australia. He also does actually host a show in the UK now. Um, I think he lives sort of part-time in Australia, part-time in the UK. And he has a very unique story because he ha is missing a leg, uh, which is why it's called Best Foot Forward. And his story just... Uh, about the world of being a comedian, it, especially in Australia, was quite interesting and touring some of the more rural communities. I also really just resonated with his attitude to life and the idea of he he feels like you don't have to change the world, but if you could just change a little corner of it, then you're doing something special. And that kind of uh, resonates with me as someone who's a teacher, that idea of, yeah, I don't have to try and change the whole world, but if I can change the little corner of it in which I live, that 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 feels um, like I've achieved something. I definitely found myself laughing out loud at some of his various anecdotes and really got into the rhythm of the story and get, definitely just gained a understanding about that industry and how that industry works and how hard it is to make it in that industry as well. Another one that I definitely should reread soon. <laughs> yeah, that, I hadn't heard of that one, but I'm adding it to my list now. He's good. He's um, quite comedic. It's, um, yeah, he's quite funny. <laughs> so lead, that kind of like, the next question kind of links into what I said, but uh, your favorite memoir by a performing artist? Ooh, um, okay. So for that one, I would have to pick Me by Elton John. Um, I usually think that celebrity memoirs can be a little bit predictable because you feel like you know everything about a celebrity's life. And so they don't come across as super raw. And this book absolutely blew me away. I was already a huge, huge, huge Elton John fan. I grew up listening to Elton John with my family. And I felt like I kind of knew everything about his life. I had seen the movie Rocket Man, and I was like, oh, I, I know all there is to know about Elton John. And I read this book and I was just blown away by how candid he was. And even like the way he was writing about other celebrities, not in a malicious way or anything, but it was just, it kind of peeled back the curtain on what being famous was like in a way that I rarely come across in a celebrity memoir. So I really, really loved that aspect of this one. 
I actually haven't um, heard too much about his memoir, but it would definitely be something that um, I'd be intrigued to read. And like you said, it really peels back the curtain in a way that you haven't um, haven't seen done before. I have one and then I have two honourable mentions, but my top one would be Mary's Last Dance by Mary Lee. So uh, Mary Lee uh, is married to uh, Lee Swingson, who is Mao's Last Dancer. I'm unsure if that's like a story that you'd be uh, familiar with in America, um, that she also within her own right is a very talented ballerina and her and Lee both work at uh, Queensland Ballet, uh, which is the state that I'm in, um, in Queensland, in Australia. And it's a very memorable memoir, especially if you like this genre, like if you're into dance or um, uh, like uh, appreciate it for the style of which it is. Mary's story is very harrowing and inspirational. And it's such a beautiful story about a mother's relationship with her daughter and the power of ballet. It taught me so much about the world of dance and how difficult it would have been for Mary because in the uh, like late 70s, she was in Rockhampton. Uh, so Rockhampton is nine hours north of Brisbane. So it's whilst it's like a little town, a little city centre itself, and it does have an airport, it was quite a rural town to be growing up in, in the 70s. And then to be taken across to London um, and work in the London Ballet for this um, like small town girl, essentially away from her family, would have been a real culture shock to her. Uh, but then how that kind of jump starts her career, how she ends up uh, dancing in America, um, meeting Lee, and then um, sadly having to make the decision to give up her dance career when they discover that their oldest daughter, uh, Sophie, is deaf and um, how she has to then invest her time in, in her daughter. So it's it's beautifully written. Um, it was narrated amazingly well because I listened to this one as an audiobook. I tend to do that uh, with a lot of memoirs. And yeah, it was yeah a very um, good read and suits this genre nicely. And my two honourable mentions also go to Homework, The Hollywood Years by uh, Julie Andrews. Uh, which also talks about her life on the set of like The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. And then, of course, um, Top and Girl by Miranda Tapsell. So Miranda Tapsell is an Australian Indigenous performer um, and she's quite well known in like the theatre world as well as on um, television and creating her own films as well. So um, that was also a good glimpse into that industry and especially the film industry in Australia. Yeah, I read Homework and I really liked that one. So I'll have to check out your other recs because yeah. I feel like we have similar taste on those. Definitely. She um, There's also another book that Julie Andrews has written. I think there's one that actually comes before um, this one, which I think it might just be called Homework. And then this one's Homework, The Hollywood Years. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> So I've got uh, three more questions for you. Uh, the, the next one is a memoir that makes you appreciate your life more. I, I understand that this probably would have been a difficult one to answer because they all do in some shape or form. But yeah, what one came into your head when you saw that prompt? Um, for that one, I think there's this book called After Perfect by Christina McDowell. And she, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, but basically all the financial crimes in that, her father was kind of enraptured in that world of financial crime. And so they had a picture-perfect life. She was a teenager living in Washington, D.C. She was really close with her father. They had such a close-knit family relationship. And then all of a sudden, her family's entire world is shattered after this allegation comes out that her father was so 
embroiled in all these huge crimes. And so I think that one, just reading about like the perspective of the way life can change in an instant and you think that you uh, have a family that's like done everything right and then all of a sudden the rug just gets pulled out from under you. I think that one, I read that a long time ago, maybe when I was like 17 or 18. So it's been a minute since I've read it. And it's one I think about often as just being kind of an exploration of like all the ways that you can think that your life is completely stable. And then the next day, it's just completely changed. That's certainly one that would make you appreciate um, your life a lot more. Like who, who knows what sometimes the future holds. Uh, mine is The Happiest Refugee by Eddie Yaku. So uh, this is one that I have talked about so many times um, on the podcast. Eddie is a World War II survivor. Um, and up until actually last year, he was still alive. He published this book as he was uh, just about to turn 100. And uh, this book is about his life as a German citizen who was also a Jew and how he lost his family, how he had so many narrow escapes from the Nazis and how he came through it. And I think the biggest message that this book carries for me is the idea of um, happiness is the only thing that is doubled once shared. And even though he had some really horrible things happen to his life that happened in his life and um, happened to him, he just came through with this deep sense of hope and that even though he had experienced all these things, it didn't make him appreciate his life any less. So it's a, it's an amazing story. It's actually a very short one. I think this, the audio books only was, the audio book was only about seven hours and each of the little chapters kind of goes full circle. So he'll say, you know, he'll start something with like, hug your mum and love your mum. And then he might go in and tell you about how he lost his mum and it comes sort of full circle back to that idea. So it's beautifully written and it's very well done. And the other one that I had that's an honourable mention in this category is The Happiest Refugee by An Do. An and his family escaped Vietnam and they uh, came to Australia and settled in Australia. He's also a comedian like TV personality here in Australia. He actually has a show that's called Arn's Brush with Fame and he does portraits of famous people and um, has conversations with them as he does so. And yeah, he, his memoir is a, another one that definitely makes me appreciate what my life is like today in Australia. Two more questions to go. Uh, this one in particular is an interesting one because we might not be able to talk about it as much because I'm going to ask you, what is a memoir that is currently on your TBR? Oh, well, we already talked about the Stanley Tucci, which I'm so just, I, after talking about this, I honestly might just have to go and start it immediately after this because I love a good food memoir and that one just seems like it's calling my name at the moment. But um, I also, this is more of a book of essays, but still very personal and along the same lines, but it's Bomb Shelter by Mary Lara Philpott. She wrote another book of essays called um, I Miss You When I Blink. And honestly, I was not the target audience for that book at all. I feel like it was geared towards maybe people who were mothers more so, but it's a lot about like her family life and things along those lines. And so she just released a second collection called Bomb Shelter and it has been staring at me on my shelf and I'm just like waiting for the perfect moment to read it. I love essay collections, especially when they have just like some type of common thread woven throughout them. Like whether it's family or career or something along those lines. So I'm really, really looking forward to reading that one. 
I definitely find essay collections a little bit more difficult um, to sink into. Uh, my memoir that is currently on my TBR is Coco Chanel, The Life and Legend by Justine Picardi. Uh, so, of course, Coco Chanel is a uh, design or fashion designer, fashion house. Um, and uh, in particular, she existed during that like 1940s, 1950s time uh, when obviously the world had turned on its head. Uh, so I did read another um, memoir uh, by the same author that was about Dior. I found it kind of lent in a little bit too much to sort of World War II stuff where I was sort of more interested in reading um, about Miss Dior. Um, oh, her name has escaped me. It's Christian Dior's sister. My goodness, I read a whole book about her and I cannot remember her name. <laughs> ah, book, book, um, bookworm issues. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing whether or not this book might be a little bit more focused on Chanel. I think because probably more of her life is known. Um, then uh, Catherine Dior, that's her name. <laughs> probably a bit more is known about her than Catherine. So I can understand that's probably why the author um, struggled to write a memoir completely about her. Uh, my last question for you, Maddie, is who do you want to write a memoir? Honestly, there are just so many, especially celebrities who I'm just dying to have them write a memoir. I mean, selfishly, I would love Harry Styles to write a memoir <laughs> because I just can't get enough Harry Styles content. And I think that reading a memoir by Harry Styles, especially that like really digs deep into the One Direction years, I think would just be so incredibly fascinating. And then another one of my very niche interests is 80s teen movies. I love any kind of 80s teen movie, like The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles. I cannot get enough of those movies. Like, there is a point in high school where I would come home every day and watch one of them after school. Like, I was very devoted. And so actually one of them who was in that like little clique called the Brat Pack where it was all like the teen, well, they were like young adults when they were in the movies. They have started to kind of release memoirs. And so Andrew McCarthy, who was in Pretty in Pink, he released one called Brat last fall. And after I read that, I just was like, I need more of these. So just, I need every single person who has ever been in a teen movie to just write an entire book about the process and they can mail it directly towards me. Like I need it immediately. That is so niche. <laughs> yes, it is very niche. I talk about them all the time and my friends are like, why are these the only movies you like? But something about <laughs> them, I just love them. Yeah, fair enough. I do really like 16 Candles. I'd have to say that would probably be one of my like top 10 um, movies. I do enjoy that storyline and like the wedding and like the, the sister and yeah, uh, there's just so many little elements to that story. It's uh, very well done. Um, look, mine's probably a very generic bookstagram answer, but I'd love a Taylor Swift memoir. <laughs> um, I, feel, I mean, she's such a good songwriter that I feel like yes. she would definitely have some interesting things and be very like lyrically written. So I could see yeah. it. And look, I would love to think she's actually working on one, but you know, we're just probably going to have to wait another 20, 30 years where, yeah. before we will actually see it. Um, or before it'll see the light of day. <laughs> All right, let's end the episode with a quick round of this, of this or that. I'm going to ask Maddie a this or a that question and she has to give me an answer pretty quickly. Ready to play? Yes, I'm excited. Classics or contemporary? 
Oh, contemporary all the way. Happy ending or tearjerker ending? Um, I'm going to go happy ending, but I do kind of like a bit of a bittersweet moment. Like everything doesn't have to be wrapped up. Nice. Uh, bookmarks or dog ear? Bookmarks. Nice. For sure. <laughs> read by the fire or the beach? Um, uh, read by the beach for sure. Any body of water, a pool, the beach, a lake, anything, I will be reading by it. And finally, a book club read or a solo read? Um, probably a solo read because I can... Sometimes when you do like a buddy read or a book club read and they tell you to stop at a certain point, I physically, Ooh. I cannot do it. I have to read the entire book, especially like I've done them for like a thriller before. And they're like, oh, everyone stop at part three. I was like, I can't stop at part three on a thriller. So definitely a solo read. Yeah, that's fair enough. I definitely couldn't do that either. Like stepping, stopping at certain intervals. Um, and especially because like I'm such a monogamous reader, like it would be difficult yes. to go, okay, I've got here and I've got another week until everyone else is here. What am I going to read in the meantime? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I like to like pick a book and stick with it for a while. So I have a very, very hard time with the stopping points. Thank you so much for joining me on the Bookstory podcast. Yes, I was so fun. I could chat books for hours. So this was really, really fun. Hold up. Before you go, here's a little snippet of what to expect in the next episode. In my mind, our spooky books are things such as horrors or thrillers. Maybe it's a book that includes a spooky setting or some kind of unsettling, unfamiliar character. Maybe there's some fantasy like Halloween-y vibes um, or just anything that kind of makes your skin crawl. Yeah, I love that definition. Um, when I think of spooky books, I think of anything that kind of gives you that same type of feeling that uh, a Halloween season gives you where it's that kind of like it's fun to be scared or it's fun to be a little creeped out or dealing with the weird um, so I think most often of thriller or horror books, but then also anything that might feature, um, a spooky character. So, um, which can border on some fantasy, like you said, so witches or werewolves or fairies or anything like that. So uh, a broad category. Definitely. And, are some of those reasons that you listed the reason why you love spooky books so much. Yes, definitely. So um, my, I have always been a huge fan of Halloween and spooky season. Like before I loved spooky books, I loved Halloween <laughs> before I could read. Um, and my mom talks about how when I was just a little kid, I just loved Halloween, even when I was tiny, and would look forward to it every year. And so as I grew older, I have kind of always just had this love of that that feeling of being scared, but not like so scared that you, you can't function. Right. <laughs> um, and also like that kind of magical feeling of Halloween that like anything could happen. And I feel like when I read a really good thriller or a really thoughtful, like horror book, I get that same feeling, like that feeling of this is really scary, but in a fun way, or this is like, so weird or magical or such a different experience. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bookstorium podcast. If you've enjoyed it, show your support by following, subscribing, and rating the show wherever you listen, as well as sharing the podcast on social media. If you want to go the extra mile, you can shout me a coffee via Ko-fi. It's super easy to navigate and you don't need an account to donate. You can find the link in the show notes along with a full list of all the books and other media mentioned in this episode. Finally, make sure you head over to Instagram and follow my latest guest as well as my bookstagram at bookstorian underscore and podcast account at the bookstorian podcast.